We are heading into one of the biggest weekends of the year for WWE as both SummerSlam and NXT 30 are happening this very weekend and I am here to give you a breakdown of both events as well as give you my predictions for every single match that's been announced. Let's not waste any time and get right into it. This is the Closet Champion Podcast. Welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. I'm not going to waste any time. I already gave you the teaser. This is a cut and dry prediction show. We've got two of the biggest shows of the year happening this weekend, NXT TakeOver 30 and SummerSlam. NXT TakeOver 30 starts on Saturday, so we are going to begin with that. The first match that I wanted to talk about on this card is the women's title match between Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. Um, This is not really a popular thing to say, but I don't really care for either of these women uh, totally. Io has very good moves, and I love her entrance. There's just something about her matches that don't hook me. I tend to be bored through most of them. Uh, I'll be real honest with you, what I tend to do during Io Shirai's matches is I know it's going to be about a 10-minute match, 10 to 14-minute match, so I skip right around the 10-minute mark so I can see the end and get the gist of it, but for the most part, I don't watch that much of her matches, and I watch even less of Dakota Kai matches. I forced myself to watch her match this week um, against, I can't remember her name, and uh, shame on me, but she's... Not a jobber, but kind of a jobber. Anyway, I skipped right to the end of that match. Both of these women, they just, there's that it factor that seems to be lacking for me. I personally think the most interesting thing happening with the women's division right now is Tegan Knox. And if we are setting up a Tegan Knox title run, which I think we are, we're beginning to build it, I think she has to get the title off of Dakota Kai. That is not to say that it's going to happen quickly. Uh, nor is it necessarily a guarantee that Dakota Kai is winning at the TakeOver event. But I just feel like without anything else really guiding this women's division, um, and on the NXT level at least, for the singles, it seems like this would maybe be a good time to shake things up. I think it's the right time. Io Shirai has done what she can do with the title. She has a very solid fan base. It's not going anywhere. I think that we get more story out of a heel Dakota Kai being champion, both short-term and long-term. And I think that this is NXT TakeOver 30. We're going to try to shake a lot of things up, and I think it's going to start here. I think Raquel Gonzalez is going to be a major player. She was featured prominently uh, at the end of NXT with uh, her angle 
So it's clear that they plan on using her. Uh, so I think that it's going to be some kind of interference or something happens to Kodakai, gets the win in sort of a sneaky way. Io Shirai gets distracted and beat that way. It's not going to be a totally clean loss. I don't think there's no reason to. We're trying to build heat on Dakota Kai. You don't build heat on people by giving them clean wins. So expect some some chicanery. Uh, some some ne'er-do-wells might make their presence known. But ultimately, I think we're building toward Knox versus Kai for the title. So let's put the title on Kai now and just sort of see how this thing develops. The next match is probably getting more buzz than any other match on the card. It's Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. And when this first started, I was like, okay, we're doing like a Lawrence Taylor, Bam Bam Bigelow sort of thing where Pat McAfee is is the outsider, but he's like the good guy. He's funny and he's entertaining. And Adam Cole is the, the bad guy wrestler that's discounting him simply because he's not a wrestler and all that stuff. Well, that changed very quickly. And now I, I'd say you really have heel versus heel. They're not doing too much to build sympathy on Adam Cole. He did get his head punted by Pat McAfee, but it's it wasn't it wasn't done in like a Randy Orton punch your punts your hero in the head kind of way. It was a different sort of vibe. It was to legitimate legitimize Pat McAfee, and I think that was accomplished. I'm really intrigued by this. Pat McAfee cut a promo. Everything that's been building up to this has been really good. But I think his promo on NXT was the best so far. And it's really, really got me intrigued by this. I kind of want to see Pat McAfee win. I don't think there's... You know, that goes against traditional wrestling logic of you don't let the outsider beat you because that makes, you know, your presentation as a whole look a little worse if some outsider can just come in and beat the longest reigning NXT champion. I don't think they're going to do it, but I wouldn't be completely surprised because I don't think this is a one-off thing for Pat McAfee. I think he's going to be doing two or three spots a year, and I think that he should. He's incredibly entertaining. He has mainstream crossover value. Bleacher, or uh, Barstool Sports is a very, very popular outlet, and he that's what he has his third show through. That's what he's kind of associated with. It's a natural marriage for these guys. I think Adam Cole is going to end up getting the win, but I think Adam Cole is going to have to get a little desperate. I think we're going to have to see him pull out some tricks that a pro wrestler, a longest reigning NXT champion of all time pro wrestler, shouldn't have to do. So my official prediction is Adam Cole, but I'm not going to lie, my heart is with Pat McAfee. And by the way, I want to say, of all the previous people that have gone from the NFL to pro wrestling, Pat McAfee is the best mic worker that I've ever experienced. And I'm talking specifically like played downs in the NFL. Uh, obviously, you've got people like The Rock that would be above that, even probably people like Roman Reigns, but they never made it on the pro level. They never even really played downs. Same with Brock Lesnar. Practice squad doesn't count. I'm talking specifically people that were NFL players that have come over, and I compiled a little list, and it's not all-inclusive, but I would honestly say that the three promos and the one interview that Pat McAfee did that led up to this 
uh, fight. And one of the promos I'm talking about was when he was guest commentating and it led to the punt. But here's some previous NFL football players who have made it big on the wrestling scene. Ron Simmons, Goldberg, Ron Simmons better known as Farouk, Goldberg, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Tito Santana, Steve Mongo McMichael, Lex Luger, Big Van Vader, and of course the big cat Ernie Ladd. All of these guys were great wrestlers and probably, well, a lot of these guys are great wrestlers. Um, but I would honestly take Pat McAfee's mic skills over any of them. And the dude is just getting started. If we can get a five to ten year run out of Pat McAfee, because he's older, but he's a punter. He hasn't put his body through as much as a lot of these other people did. I think we've got a very, very entertaining character for a long time to come. Uh, next up is the North American Championship. Uh, before we get into the North American Championship, in case you did not watch NXT, uh, the final two spots were filled when Johnny Gargano uh, beat Ridge Holland. And by the way, somebody please buy Ridge Holland some knee pads. This is a very massive dude. I think he's got a great look. I think he sells okay. He's still rough around the edges, but we can do a lot with him. We're not going to do anything with him as long as this guy continues to land on his knees with no knee pads. This is a lot of mass. Someone please, Johnny, Triple H, Commissioner Regal, somebody, <laughs> GM Regal, somebody please buy Ridge some knee pads because clearly he can't afford them and he needs them. Um, but Johnny Gargano wins and Velveteen Dream beats Finn Balor. Uh, to take that final spot. I don't think either of these guys had any legitimate chance at winning uh, the match in the first place, but it does surprise me that we are giving Velveteen Dream wins. Uh, if you listen to my Speaking Out podcast episode a couple, uh, probably about three or four episodes back, Velveteen Dream is one of the central figures in this whole Speaking Out movement. And the things that he's accused of doing are pretty horrific if you take them at the accuser's face values. Seeing the WWE and specifically the NXT brand put him back on TV, and not only put him back on TV, but have him winning, have him winning over guys like Finn fucking Balor, first Universal Champion, former NXT Champion, former Intercontinental Champion, that is saying something. And I'm surprised that they did it. However, like I said, I don't see either of these guys being the next champion, nor do I see Johnny Gargano winning this title. Johnny is NXT. Johnny Wrestling is entering his 18th takeover, which you figure out of 30, that's 60% of the takeovers, which only have, I'd say, between four and six matches apiece on them. And the fact that Johnny Gargano wasn't around for the first couple of years of NXT, that 60% number is fucking huge. It's far and away bigger than anybody else's number. This guy truly is the face of NXT. That being said, I think if you are a former NXT champion, you should be nowhere near the North American title. It hasn't gotten to that level. If you look, I compare it a lot to the Intercontinental title. If you look at the early days of the Intercontinental title, it was used specifically as a springboard to make somebody either the next champ or at least the next challenger for the champ. And it took a long time, I would say, until Randy Savage, I would really say until Mr. Perfect, where you looked 
at the Intercontinental title as something that's prestigious enough for a former champion to win. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head the first former WWF champion that became Intercontinental champion. I can't even think of it, to be honest with you. Uh, if someone wants to look that up, uh, I'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. First Intercontinental champion who was already a WWF champion. It might be someone like Jericho. It might have taken that long. But my point is the North American title is still in that realm of this is something that we should be used to springboarding future careers. It's the way that we used it for Adam Cole. It's the way we used it for Keith Lee. It's the way we should have used it for Roderick Strong, but that is a different podcast. This is the purpose of the North American Championship. So I think we need to immediately disqualify Johnny Gargano and Velveteen Dream from winning this. That leaves us with Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, and Cameron Grimes. Damian Priest is clearly somebody's favorite wrestler. Somebody in NXT has to have a huge heart on for Damian Priest because that's the only way that I can justify the pushes he's been given. I don't see it with Damian Priest, and I know a lot of other people don't see it, but he still finds himself in all of these major feuds and these title runs. Um, I know he had a big run on the end of excuse me, on the independent scene before he came to the WWE. But I just, I'm afraid he's going to win. Let's put it that way. I'm afraid that Damian Priest is going to win. He's not my prediction because I don't think he's the best option to take. And I will always make my predictions as the people that I think are the best option to go in that scenario. So I'm taking Damian Priest out just because I don't think he holds the attention of people the way a champion should hold the attention of people. Whether that's good or bad, you need to hold their attention. And I think there's just still too many lukewarm feelings on Damian Priest. And that leaves us with out of nowhere, thick boy, Bronson Reed, and weird 1910s, carny, attraction, hillbilly, Appalachian attraction, Cameron Grimes. I think this is what the North American title is made for, is one of these two guys. Bronson Reed has really come out of nowhere. He's got the thick boy uh, shtick, which I think works really well, and how can you not love him? He doesn't really get any time on the mic, which leads me to believe he's not a great mic worker. He is Australian, so he has the natural accent that would help him. But I kind of want to see somebody... I can't think of a single good guy manager uh, in the business right now. But we need to create a spot for that because Bronson Reed, as a good guy, as, as a thick boy, needs some guidance. And I don't think putting the North American title on him right now is going to make people suddenly buy into him at the level that we need to buy into the championship. So that really leaves us with Cameron Grimes. And I think Cameron Grimes is one of the underrated talents that WWE has right now, specifically because I I think that Cameron Grimes is the right version of King Corbin. King Corbin, Baron Corbin, has fuck you heat. Baron Corbin has heat in the sense that when his match comes on on SmackDown or his... Uh, interview segment comes on on SmackDown, 
I fast forward to the next segment. I don't watch it. That's not what you want. You want your heels. You want to. You want people to want to see the heels get their ass kicked. I don't care. Honest to God, I don't care if Baron Corbin wins or loses. I just want him off my TV. That is not good heat. Cameron Grimes, on the other hand, I want to see this dude get his ass kicked every week. I want to see Cameron Grimes lose. He's sleazy. He's obnoxious. He doesn't have the look or the build of someone that's as confident as he is. It's kind of like, what do you have to be so proud of? What do you have to be so cocky about? And it works for him. And I think that given the direction of the company and given the placement of the NXT championship, we need somebody to hold that title that we specifically want to see them lose that title. And what I mean by that is I never wanted to see Keith Lee lose the North American championship. I was excited for him to win the NXT Championship, and I think he did the right thing by dropping the North American title. But I think with a babyface at the very top of the heap, we need a top heel, and Cameron Grimes, whether we want to admit it or not, is becoming a top heel. We need a top heel to hold that secondary title, to keep everybody's attention long enough for them to go, man, I just, I don't care who it is. Just somebody beat that guy. Somebody take the title off that guy. And I'm going to watch because I'm going to get such joy when that finally happens. That's what's missing from NXT right now, in my opinion. That's what's been missing from NXT since Tommaso Ciampa left. Because I think Adam Cole is on that same level of, he, he doesn't, he's a bad guy, but he doesn't have enough true heat. Uh, Ciampa had that heat. It's very rare to have that heat, and I think it's the perfect spot. He's positioned exactly to be like a heel Randy Savage in 87 or a heel Mr. Perfect in 91 where he's that asshole champion that you're dying to see lose. So for that reason, and I'm sorry this is a very long-winded answer, but it's by far to me the most intriguing match on the card, I think Cameron Grimes is going to be your North American champion, and I think he's going to be someone that we all can't wait to see get his ass kicked. And that's what we need on NXT. We need a reason to tune in. And I'm putting Cameron Grimes in that position. Going one level higher than that, of course, the only thing higher than the North American Championship is the NXT Championship. We have a brand new undefeated Red Hot Karrion Cross facing Keith Lee. I don't see a clean finish happening in this match. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's going to be a disqualification or a double countout or someone's going to come in and interfere. There's going to be uh, not a clean finish in this match because it's way too early to take the title off Keith Lee. The dude is red hot. People still love him. Love the big guy being the champion. And you don't want to destroy this rapid advancement you're having for Karrion Cross. I think eventually Karrion Cross needs to be the champion, and I think eventually he needs to take it off of Keith Lee. But this is a feud that should go for months. This is not this seems rushed to me. And given that both of these guys have captivated the audience, we need to protect both of their images. I'm intrigued by it. I'm certainly gonna tune in, but if we get a clean win, either way, I think it's gonna be more harm than it is good. So I'm hoping for a no decision sort of situation 
Keith Lee leaves NXT 30 as the uh, NXT champion, but that does not necessarily mean he gets the win. I know that's kind of like a bullshit answer, but that's where I'm at on that. Uh, two other matches that got added very late. The first is um, the aforementioned Finn Balor taking on Timothy Thatcher. This is another situation where I see it as a no-win. Uh, this is difficult for me. They're building Timothy Thatcher up a lot as a sort of throwback William Regal, Dean Malenko kind of technical master. And while I said earlier Finn Balor does not need the North American Championship, and I stand by that, he does need wins to stay relevant. Otherwise, you are running the risk of burying him, just like Vince McMahon did on WWE programming on Raw. And everyone was so excited. Excuse me. Everyone was so excited when Finn Balor came back to NXT because it was like finally another a chance for him to shine again. That hasn't happened. And it's getting further and further down that hole where it's going to get harder and harder to climb out of it. This is a pivotal moment for the Finn Balor character. And I gotta say, while I think Finn Balor needs the win a lot more than Timothy Thatcher, I see Timothy Thatcher winning it. I think they're going to keep pumping him up. I think they don't see the harm in Finn Balor taking loss after loss. He's not on that untouchable level. If he was, he wouldn't have left... WWE programming in the first place. There's a reason he's back on NXT. Because he's an unused talent that needs more time to shine. He's someone that deserves to shine. And if this doesn't turn around quickly, if I'm Finn Balor, I'm kind of circling on the calendar that end date for my contract. And I'm reaching out to New Japan. I'm reaching out. <laughs> I'm really reaching out to AEW. I'm seeing where else I can go and be used properly. Because while there is nothing that will ever compare to an NXT paycheck, or a WWE paycheck, ask, uh, ask Tyler Breeze that, there is something for preserving your future worth. And I think that it's clear to me that they have missed the boat on Finn Balor. They have squandered that opportunity. And at this point, they don't even care to pretend to try. So for those reasons, I'm saying we are getting a very heartbreaking loss for Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher is going to come out on top. The final match for uh, TakeOver 30 that was just announced is the Triple Threat Tag Team match. Winner faces Imperium for the Tag Team titles. I don't think whoever wins this is going to beat Imperium, so this is just kind of for show. With that being said, I think the best option for this is definitely going to be Breezango. Uh, their faces and... Uh, Danny Burch and Orny Loken uh, are also faces, kind of, but they're more tweeners. I think we need, I think this is a feel-good moment spot for Brizango. People love them. Uh, they deserve to have this, and they'll have a great match with Imperium. They're not going to win, but none of these guys are going to win, so I say give it to Brizango. Uh, so to recap, we've got Dakota Kai, Adam Cole, Cameron Grimes, Keith Lee retaining, Timothy Thatcher, and Breezango all winning. Those are my predictions for NXT. Moving into SummerSlam, they're billing this as you'll never see it coming. So something shocking, something crazy has got to happen, right? I hope so. I hope this is not just a weird way to talk about Randy Orton's RKO coming out of nowhere. 
I think it's something bigger than that. And I think that if it's something that's going to truly surprise people, that means by definition it has to be something that people are not already talking about. A lot of people are kicking around ideas for returns or, or uh, healer face turns. I'm going to talk about all of those things. But I think that if they truly want to shock people and they truly want to go with this, you'll never see it coming. I think this is the time to reveal retribution, so to speak. Retribution, they keep putting it on TV. They keep having them do these, not juvenile, but these very um, destruction for no reason sort of gimmick. You don't see where it's going. There is no leader. There is no purpose to this so far. And it seems like now that we're on week three or four of this happening, we should have some direction by now. And we don't. So if we're not going to do it at SummerSlam, my question is, if not now, when? So I'm hoping that if there is a, a good, legitimate story to tell with Retribution, we start to see the real story happening now. And that's what I'm hoping is what they mean by you'll never see it coming. Only time will tell on that, but we'll see. They did more damage on Raw. They're keeping them profiled. It could happen. As far as the announced matches for SummerSlam goes, I'm really intrigued by this SummerSlam. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the first match that drew my attention immediately is Street Profits versus uh, Angel Garza and Andrade. I've got Angel and Andrade winning this match and taking the titles for uh, a couple reasons. One, we've really built this, built this story up with Montez Ford being poisoned. Um, and I think this is really the beginning of the solo push for Montez Ford. I don't think the Street Profits are going to be around much longer. They've had a long title run. I think they've done everything they can with it. It made them people that we respect as more than just a backstage skit uh, comedy break. We all know how good these guys are, and it's clear that Montez Ford is the breakout star of this group. I say have these guys lose. Um, Andrade and Angel have the long-standing uh, story that's played out a long time where they're champs, but they hate each other. It's a story that works. And you've got Selena Vega in the middle to try to keep them together. And it's a natural story. It's going to work fine. And we need to get the titles off of them in order to get Montez Ford on this solo push. So I think we need to have a title change here. And hopefully Zelina's crew can uh, do something with these titles and have some really fun... Uh, interesting feuds as Montez Ford begins his solo push. The next match on the card uh, is Apollo Crews versus MVP for the United States Championship. A lot of people I'm seeing are calling for MVP here, but simply stated, MVP does not need the title. And I don't see MVP winning it, specifically winning it here, unless we get a heel turn from either one of... Apollo's boys, either Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, or most likely Cedric Alexander. I think eventually Cedric Alexander is going to turn on Apollo Crews and is going to cost Apollo Crews the championship and is going to join the Hurt Business. I don't think it's going to happen this Sunday because if the opponent were Bobby Lashley, that would be my prediction. But MVP, someone as, let's be nice, someone as seasoned as MVP does not need a title to add legitimacy to his angle, to his run right now. He's doing great work. 
uh, he is the MVP in a lot of people's minds of Raw right now, and there's a very good argument to make for that. Whether he has the U.S. title or not is irrelevant, and you never want a title to be irrelevant. So for that reason, I think we need to have Apollo Crews define the odds here, get past the bullshit interference that we know is going to come, and get the win. By the way, also, I want to see really bad if Shelton Benjamin is the 24-7 champion come this. I want to see R-Truth pin Shelton Benjamin on the outside, like in the middle of the match. It's just totally something else that happens. I think that would be really fun. I don't know if they've really done that yet. I think they've done things similar to it. Obviously, they've had you know, the run-around-the-ring interference for matches, but I'd love to see it be something that just happens on the outside of the ring, totally out of nowhere. Um, but putting the title on MVP, to me, makes no sense at all. The next match on the card is Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in a street fight. Seth Rollins has been jobbing like crazy lately, taking a lot of losses, and that, coupled with the fact that a street fight allows for outside interference and crazy things to happen... Um, I think this is going to be just simply an opportunity for a feel-good moment. I thought Dominic would be by his dad's side at Extreme Rules. He wasn't. I'm hoping, given the, <laughs> giving the, the uh, image that they're putting on the screen, it seems like Rey Mysterio is going to be in Dominic's corner this time. I think that this is an opportunity for the Mysterio family to get revenge on Seth Rollins. Seth is taking so many losses that... I don't think a win here saves him, nor do I think a loss here brings him down any further than he is. Uh, we, After the beating that Dominic took and those great still shots of his chest just totally black and blue and purple, uh, this is an opportunity for him to get a win. And SummerSlam is kind of more of the feel-good show. Uh, SummerSlam and WrestleMania are kind of, to me, the feel-good shows. And Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, to me, are times for heels to shine. And if you look back in history, that's pretty true. Um, so for all those reasons, I think we get a big, happy family. And Dominic Mysterio finally gets revenge on Seth Rollins, taking out both of his dad's eyes, really. Next match that we've got is uh, Mandy Rose versus Sony Deville in a hair versus hair match. I don't know when the last hair versus hair match was. It might have been the... Trump versus McMahon one, but I love me a hair versus hair match, man. I do. And they announced that the loser is getting a true buzz cut, and I think that's very, very important. Because if we were just going with like a super, super short pixie cut like Gene Seberg from Breathless, uh, any film buffs might know that, uh, then I think there would be a strong argument for Sony Deville to win and Mandy Rose to get that short haircut. But if we're talking about a true buzz cut, Mandy's got to win this. She's got to win this because, one, I think Sonya Deville will look badass with the like G.I. Jane kind of look. And, two, we need to see her rise above. She's been bullied for so long. She has to get her due. I'm hoping Otis is going to be there. Uh, they're not doing anything with Dolph. I'd love to see Dolph come out to try to interfere and Otis run him away or hit him with the briefcase or do something. Uh, speaking of which, that's got to come into play soon. Uh, but either way, I think that this is going to be a opportunity for Mandy Rose. Again, another feel-good opportunity. Mandy Rose is going to win. She's going to get over. It's going to be great. The next match that I want to talk about is Braun Strowman versus The Fiend. I think Alexa Bliss is the key to this whole thing. 
And given that she hasn't broken away from Nikki Cross yet, I don't think it's going to be as... A lot of people want her to be, like, evil and be in cahoots with The Fiend or be, like, brainwashed by The Fiend and working for him. Um, but I think the real question in this match is we're teasing Braun Strowman going heel. And is the question is, is he actually going to go heel or not? A lot of people calling for it. The bald head would support this claim anytime someone changes up the way that they look. Uh, it usually is a pretty good indicator that there's going to be a personality change. Uh, it happened with Dean Ambrose not too long ago in WWE. Ask him how that went. But I think here that's not the best route to take. The route I would take is, again, this is SummerSlam. I'm calling for another feel-good moment. This is the third feel-good moment in a row. But I think instead of Alexa Cross being evil and bringing down, quote-unquote, bringing down Braun Strowman into the evilness and The Fiend taking over all of that, I would much rather see Alexa Cross, Alexa Cross, Alexa Bliss help Braun Strowman sort of harness this anger and frustration that he's had and ha help him overcome the Fiend and beat the Fiend. And the reason why I think that needs to happen is twofold. One, the Fiend is always going to be better as the hunter than the hunted. And when you are the champ, it's almost impossible not to tell the story of someone coming for you. It's very difficult. It's hard to get people to care about a predatory champion, at least in WWE, because it's the way it's been positioned from the very beginning. So I think at, with a monster movie kind of villain like The Fiend, he's not someone that needs the title. And in fact, I think he's hindered by the title. Um, it's not, to me, going to benefit his character at all with the title. Because eventually what that means is he has to lose the title. And you look at someone like The Undertaker. I'm seeing a lot, by the way, I'm drawing a lot of comparisons between these two. The more and more I see The Fiend, I see him being an Undertaker-type character where he's going to be around for the next 15, 20 years kind of doing what he does. And if you notice, during that time, The Undertaker, he had a few title reigns, but not many. And the ones that he had were really, really important. And they were really used to get the next person over. Whoever took the title from Undertaker was instantly credible, not just as a champion, but as the top guy. We need to do the same with Fiend. If Fiend keeps winning and dropping the title, it's just going to crush his character and his mystique. He needs to rarely, if ever, lose. I want the Fiend to lose like one match a year, if that. I only want, and I only want him to fight like eight matches a year, if that, uh, because he's that special of a character. And if you make him the champ, he's got to be the champ. He's got to be the face, and he's going to be the hunted. And it's just a different way of telling stories that I don't think works as well. So for that reason, and my bigger reason, I'm not getting off this. It hasn't happened for months. I am still calling and clamoring for Braun Strowman versus Sheamus. I want that feud to happen. I think it should happen for the title. Whether Sheamus wins or not is kind of irrelevant to me. I just want to see this thing play out, and I would much rather see it play out as Sheamus going for the title than just a, a random blood feud. Uh, so for those reasons, I'm predicting that Braun Strowman overcomes the evil that is Bray Wyatt the Fiend, and he retains his championship. Uh, the other title that's happening, the other men's title, excuse me, that's happening, is Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. You know, much like 
MVP, I'm seeing a lot of people online calling for Randy Orton to win this match, and again, I don't get it. They've built him up great. This Legend Killer thing is great. Um, he hit the RKO on Drew McIntyre, and Michael Cole literally said, he never saw it coming, so we're playing into that you'll never see it coming tagline that they're using for SummerSlam. But again, this is just one where I'm not there. I'm not convinced that this is the right time for Drew to drop the title. I think the response to Drew as a champion has remained overwhelmingly positive. And unless we're just looking to set up a long feud, Randy Orton winning doesn't make much sense. I would much rather see some of these newer faces start to enter the main event scene. And I think looking at the Raw roster, Randy Orton is the last of like the old guard, if you want to call it that, um, to challenge Drew for the title. Um, I think there's people... Obviously, like Otis with the briefcase, Andrade and Angel Garza, even though they're a tag team, I think they're entertaining enough to be in title matches. Uh, there's too many new guys that we could have Drew start feuds with that I think would be really fun. His momentum is way too hot, and I think he's the best white meat babyface champion that we've had probably since John Cena. And I'm including Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston in that, la in that list, too. Uh, Drew McIntyre simply is someone that you can build the company around. I think they should continue to build a company around him. Randy Orton is a super credible threat, so therefore Drew McIntyre beating him would be great. Uh, I would love to see people try to come down to help Drew and Randy Orton just punts the hell out of all of them. But at the end, I think Randy Orton is not going to spoil this awesome run that we've got with Drew McIntyre. At least I hope not. And that brings us to the final two matches listed for SummerSlam both involving Asuka going for a women's title, first against Sasha, or I shouldn't say first, both against Sasha and against Bailey in individual matches. Uh, this is one where I don't think there's, honestly, I don't think there's a wrong way to tell it. I think the only wrong way to tell the story is if Asuka wins both belts. Um, I don't love that story. But really, since Charlotte and Becky have been gone, there's been all this clamoring for, oh, all these new people are going to come to the top. All these new, they're, they're, they're opening spots for these new women to get pushes. Well, since they've done it, it's been the same three people. It's been Sasha and Bailey and Asuka. The, I'm sorry, I'll say it, the second tier of the women's division. The first tier being Charlotte and Becky. Uh, the second tier of the women's division has been running ra uh, rampant for the last several months. And it's been good because they've been extremely entertaining. The golden role models as they call themselves, you know, they've been fire. This is their summer. It justifiably so. They're the best things going on in the women's division today. But there has to be an end goal. And I still think the end goal is going to be a match with these two. We need a blow off. And my instincts tell me that they're going to try to stretch this storyline to get to a WrestleMania blow off. And if that's the case, I can see them perhaps both defeating Asuka to retain their titles probably with lots of interference in both matches. However, given what a big deal they're making about Sasha and Bailey having to defend the tag titles the following week at Payback, I think this is the time to start planting those seeds of jealousy and start working toward that because the WrestleMania match doesn't have to be their first match. It just has to be the payoff. So we can plant these seeds in SummerSlam now, have them probably break out around Survivor Series... That's what I would do. Start the plant. Start planting the seeds now by having Asuka beat 
one of the women and lose to the other one. And whoever Asuka beats is the one that's going to be jealous and turn on the champ and sort of turn that champ baby face in the process. The story I'd like to see is Asuka goes out first and and loses to Sasha Banks. Sasha retains. And then at the end of the night, in a match that should be easier for Bailey, since Asuka's already gone through a match, she actually beats Bailey and becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion. And if that happens and then they lose their tag titles the next week at Payback, now all of a sudden we've got Bailey with nothing and Sasha with something. And I think given that Bailey was the champ first and then Sasha came into the fold, the fact that she lost it and now Sasha is positioned as the more dominant one in their group is going to be too much for Bailey. She's worked too hard. She's come too far. She's sacrificed all of her previous morals to get to this point, and she'll be damned if she's going to be ignored again like that. She's not going to go back to wacky, flailing, inflatable arm tube men hugger Bailey. She is here to stay and she is here to win gold. And if Sasha Banks is the only one that she can take gold from, then damn it, their friendship isn't worth more to Bailey than the gold is. That's the story I would tell. Sasha as a face and as a heel kind of gets the same response either way. I think people have always been sort of lukewarm positive on Sasha Banks. Bailey as a heel has been a much more polarizing character in my opinion. I think she's finally getting it. I think it took her a long time to get it and the last couple months she's really really um, improved her role as a heel, improved her I guess believability as a heel and I don't want to see that end now. So I'm gonna say that uh, Asuka loses to Sasha Banks in the first match and then comes out later and beats Bailey, and this is where we see the beginning of the split because Bailey is eventually going to target Sasha for the title. So to do a recap of the SummerSlam matches, I'm going with uh, Angel and Andrade becoming new Raw Tag Team Champions, Apollo Crews defending his U.S. title successfully, Dominic getting revenge for his dad and beating Seth Rollins. Mandy Rose is going to win and shave Sonya Deville's head and she's going to look fucking awesome. Braun Strowman is going to overcome the evil and retain his title, hopefully with the help of Alexa Bliss. Drew McIntyre continues his dominating run and is the champion and flag bearer for the program because he beats Randy Orton. Sasha Banks defeats Asuka to retain her Raw, ta her raw uh, Women's Championship. And, but then Asuka gets her revenge and beats Bailey to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to say is this is going to be done with the Thunderdome concept that many of you are probably familiar with. If you're not familiar with it, it's essentially going to look like a giant Zoom meeting where they've got all of these um, screens and it's going to be people at their home watching and cheering. There's been still frames released. I think from afar it looks good. From wide-angle shots it looks good. It gives the illusion of the audience. But when they do that standard hard cam shot where you're really seeing like the first like five or six rows of audience, it's really distracting to me. Um, they're, we're testing it out tonight on SmackDown. We're going to see how it goes. Um, and we're going to do it again for SummerSlam. I have a feeling this might be the only two times they do it. But they put a lot of money into it. And again, what I've been saying for fucking ever, at least they're trying stuff. At least we're trying new things. Hopefully it'll give a more entertaining feel to it. Um, 
we'll find out. We'll discuss it next week. I'll do a recap episode of both of these uh, big events. Until then, you can reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter at Closet Champ. Please let me know what you think of my predictions. Let me know what you think I'm way off on. Let me know what you think I'm dead on. Uh, and until next time, I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts. I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.